Holy Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, guys, it's been eight glorious years of uh, the Funny Book Awards. And I got to say, it's this time every year that I'm usually regaling you with a story of how I lost it during the Christmas holidays. And I got to say, during the during my Christmas holiday uh, experience this year, I didn't lose it once. At no point did I blow my stack at a uh, at a retail establishment or at a restaurant or something like that. I behaved myself like a human being all through the Christmas holidays. I Just need to change my holy shit moment of the year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, now, I will say it happened yesterday. I was a little late. I was a little late. <laughs> I was at the uh, liquor store, and I'm standing in line to check out, and the guy behind me in line says to his buddy, I am ready AF for the weekend. And I wheeled around on him, and I said, no, no, we're not doing that. We are not saying AF in the world. We say as fuck. <laughs> I went all off on him. I'm like, this is not a thing. Stop it. It dies right here. <laughs> like random stranger guy? Random stranger guy. Oh, Aaron. He looked at me like I was a crazy man. Because you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, do not, look. I do not want to hear ready AF or... I'm hungry AF out in the world. AF stays on the internet. It does not come out into virtual space. Fine. I'm just saying. Fine. But are you guys ready AF for the 8th Annual Funny Book Awards? God damn it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, if you didn't do it, I was going to. Um, actually, I swear to God, it's not a thing. <laughs> um, before we get started with the Funny Book Awards... I wanted to call out, um, there was an article that came out on... Um, well, it was wrong. Yeah, it was. December 28th, 2017, from, from Vice. I don't know if you're familiar with Vice. It's a, it's a website. Um, and uh, they, they, they're, I don't know, they've got a bunch of different channels on, that are kind of under that same um, umbrella. But Vice started their articles. The 10 best comics of 2017. This hasn't been a very great year for comics. In fact, I wasn't even able to find 10 good comics for this top 10 list. And first of all, I find that harsh because I think there was a, a great year for comics. I would agree. I had no problem finding. Well, the, the problem I found was amongst choosing some of the great things that I enjoyed this year. So mm -hmm. um, Vice can suck it. This is your yes. actual best of 2017 list coming up right here. You know, I find when I look at these, because I glance out at the best of lists just to see what people have given them to. And I think if it's a website, they're pretty much beholden to never give anything to Marvel or DC. Mm -hmm. The more obscure, the more likely it's going to get an award. Well, and Does it's all it, clickbait. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't mean that some of that stuff isn't really good, because some of it I do like, but when you discount the major two just because they're the major two, it's all hippie bullshit. I completely agree. I, I, it, it's, it's, again, signs of the apocalypse. I've agreed with Wayne. Oof. Holy shit moment of the year for 2018. <laughs> <laughs> So if you have not heard one of our annual Funny Book Awards shows before, um, you know, we, we don't do top 10 lists or anything like that. We go over different categories um, from like 
shittiest to not shittiest, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, we have them in an order, but um, starting with favorite supporting character, ending with favorite ongoing series, um, and we all cast in our vote, and if there's a majority one, then that's the one that wins. If there's not, then we have a four-way, then we have a tie. Yep. Yep. So, you know, we, we talk about adding a fifth person so that we can break the tie, but we don't know a fifth person. We don't so. like anybody else. <laughs> we barely like each other. <laughs> That's a fair statement. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, well, shall we open up the envelope for the first category? We should. Our first category is favorite supporting character. And so why doesn't Wayne start us off? All right. This year, my favorite supporting character is Lois Lane. I have really enjoyed her interactions across multiple books. Uh, that recent Batman storyline with uh, the double date was incredible. Uh, Lois as a mother to Jonathan. Lois as a wife, as a badass fighter. You know, it, She just has been kind of the standout character when it comes to supporting cast for me all year. That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, I'm going to go ahead and go next because mine's similar, but different. Um, My favorite supporting character, I put Jonathan Kent. And I know people will argue with me because it's like, well, he's not a supporting character. He has his own book. And yes, he does. But I'm speaking specifically to the books in which he is a supporting character. Books like Superman and um, action comics and things like that. Seen a lot of great moments from Jonathan Kent this year. Uh, very reminiscent of the days in which Damian Wayne was in the the Batman and Robin book uh, from uh, Pat Gleason and Pete Tomasi. Uh, same creative team for the most part, uh, working on Jonathan Kent. Uh, and so I, I've truly enjoyed seeing Superman as a father. I think Jonathan Kent makes Superman a more interesting character. And um, I think that's the role of a supporting character. So I went with Jonathan Kent. I absolutely agree with you, Paul, about uh, Jonathan Kent and, and why he's such a good supporting character. And for those very same reasons, I've selected Catwoman as my favorite supporting character over in the Batman book. Um, I, and, and for the same reason that Wayne chose Lois Lane, um, I, I think we 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 see more of the other side of Batman through this character. We, we more of Batman is revealed than what we had previously seen. And I agree, Jonathan and Lois do the same thing for Superman, but uh, Catwoman is my choice. I have really enjoyed her as a character herself, uh, as told by Tom King in the pages of Batman. And I've really enjoyed the uh, stories that she has been in throughout the year. When you look at the journey that those characters have uh, been through over the, the last 12 months, I, I, that, that really moved me. So uh, Catwoman is my choice. Tim? You know, for all for all the reasons that Paul said, I wrote down Jonathan Kent as well. Bam. Um, I, I've I've because we've 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 seen a little bit of uh, the the Lois Lane Clark Kent um, support throughout the years, but Jonathan Kent is is kind of is, is newer, and I I, I feel like uh, this year. I've 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 seen Superman grow a little bit more with his interaction with his son. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that choice because he was the I debated on picking him and the only reason I didn't was because he has his own book with Damien. 
but you're right. I mean, he is a supporting character in other books, so I'm pretty happy with that. All right. So we have our first winner uh, of the 2018-2017. What? Do, how do like how do we categorize this year? It's the 2018 Funny Books Awarding 2017 Comics. There we go. What Aaron just said. <laughs> our first award goes to Jonathan Kent. All right. So our second category is favorite villain. Um, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and start us off with our favorite villain? I will tell you that I was very tempted to call out Jonathan Kent as my favorite villain because in the uh, current story, which started in 2017, uh, has, uh, you know, predicts that uh, Jonathan will destroy Metropolis. And I'm sorry, that's a villain in my book. He did fry a cat as well. That's right. He murdered a cat, Paul. But it was a cat. If it were a dog, yeah, but yeah. it's a cat. Yeah, it's a cat. I mean, you know, hell, <laughs> it's a cat. But uh, <laughs> actually, my, my uh, favorite villain this year is his grandpa, Jor-El. Oh, um, all right. You know, I, 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 and, I, and I, it is, uh, I struggled some with the Oz effect uh, in which uh, evil Jor-El appears and uh, or you know mind altered Jorel because we we see that Jorel has is, is perhaps not fully in control of his faculties, but uh, I, I enjoyed that story. It's I I have as every year, and I think if if you were to listen to all eight years of the funnies, I think you would find that we struggle with this category every year. Um, you know that I remember Jonathan saying in our very first uh, Funny Book Awards that there just aren't a whole lot of really strong villains. You know uh, that it's heroes fighting heroes most of the time, that sort of thing. I've struggled with uh, you know who who was my standout villain this year. It certainly wasn't Lex Luthor, right? Um, Dark Side has really sort of been off the field for a while. Um, I had a hard time picking a villain, and it, you know, it certainly wasn't the the Riddler or the Joker from uh, the uh, Year of Jokes and Riddles. So I, I struggled with it, but I I, do, I did enjoy the Oz effect overall. So uh, Jor-El is my choice. I I actually seconded that vote. Uh, I wrote down Mr. Oz though, so there might be a technicality. But <laughs> um, you know, the reason I did was that no other villain had as lasting an impact. Um, after he's gone, had been gone off the screen as Mr. Oz. Um, he really had Superman questioning himself. He destroyed some of his, his fortress because he was so torn up about what he'd done to what he perceived to be his father. And he even stole Flash's, uh, you know, uh, treadmill thing to uh, go back in time to see if he could prove that that was his father. Which I don't know what that does, because if he's right, then he really did kill his dad. And if he's wrong, well, then he shouldn't feel so bad. But the 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 the, the lasting impact of that storyline of of his supposed father showing him how, no matter what happens, it's not going to matter to the humanity. That was that was that was a lasting impact and it, it, it struck a chord in me as well. It was one of the questions I always ask about Superman. So yeah. Favorite villain, yep. Mr. Oz. Yep. So I will third that because Whoa. that's also who I picked. And it even goes back to before the reveal. I liked the character as a, a mysterious pulling people out of time. 
uh, I enjoyed it with in Detective. And then once you get the big reveal, it just changes everything. And for all the reasons Tim said, it's a lasting effect. I mean, it definitely, in, maybe it's a, also a case of there really wasn't much competition, but he was easily best villain for me. Well, <clears throat> and I think that's an accurate statement, uh, is that there wasn't much competition. This is one of the, you know, there were a couple of categories that I struggled with. Uh, this was one of them. And I think it's, um, you know, we've had villains, but have we had any memorable villains? Uh, you know, ha- have we had any villains that that had a, a, a great impact that weren't also heroes like Lex Luthor? Um, you know, I, I debated well, Orion in the Mr. Miracle book. I debated things like that. Uh, well, and, and you know, the problem with Orion, because I thought about that as well, Paul, the problem with Orion in the in the Mr. Miracle book is you don't get enough of him. Exactly. Right? You know, you, you certainly get, you know, he's certainly applying the pressure to uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, but he uh, he's not on, on page enough for you to go, yeah, oh, man, he's a terrible villain, you know, yeah. and you don't get to see enough of of uh, what he's thinking. And I think there are story reasons for that. But, you know, in terms of in, in terms of being a, a great villain, I need to see more of your motivation. And we got to see that with Jor-El. We also got to see Jor-El, as Wayne said, his sort of far reaching grasp, uh, you know, and in, in lurking behind the scenes for so long. I mean, he he truly had an impact on the DC universe. And, you know, I, I, I Jor-El was going to win, um, and he did. He, I mean, clearly we have three out of four, so Jarrell has won the award right. already. Uh, but my vote was actually for Darth Vader. Um, in, you know, in, in the pages of the Charles Sewell uh, Darth Vader book, um, we are seeing. To your, you, you mentioned things about motivation. Um, yeah. You are seeing Vader's motivations. You are seeing inside the head of Vader. You are also seeing how ruthless he is and how strong his powers are. Um, yep. And I am enjoying every issue of that book with fantastic art, fantastic story. Um, I'd say it's as strong, if not stronger, than some of the stuff that Kieran Gillen did with Darth Vader, uh, and certainly and I, better than anything on screen. I would, you know, when I was going to say that, I would say that you see a better characterization and uh, certainly a much more uh, diabolical sort of mind in on the pages by written by Charles Sewell and by Kieran Gillen in those two Darth Vader books. Um, I, I, I would absolutely agree with you along those lines that a much better representation than what we've ever seen on screen yeah. of Darth Vader. So now we have two winners. So Jorel takes the favorite Jorel slash Mr. X or Mr. Haas. Mr. Haas um, takes the favorite villain award. Woo. Woo. Going into our third category, obviously, with every villain, there must be a hero. So we should discuss our favorite hero. One would hope anyway that there'd be a hero. I mean, I suppose you can have a villain and just everybody else is just victims, right? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Not nearly as entertaining <laughs> or optimistic. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we are going to have a winner here, but we'll see. There could be a dark horse in the mix. Um, Tim, why don't you go ahead and start us off with this one? Um, so one of the reoccurring themes as I, as, I, as I finished my list this year was that I stayed very centric to DC 
Um, the, the few books that I get are DC books lately, and something I'm going to have to try to remedy um, this next this coming year, hopefully. But uh, for this year, it wasn't very difficult for me to pick, and for me, this is a return pick. Um, I I picked Superman this year as well. Um, you know, the the reason I did was that I saw a lot more humanity in Superman. Um, and th- th- this was last year as well. Then I then I, I remember reading in his books since the since probably the Dan Jurgens run when when uh, he wrote the death and uh, of Superman. Um, in that book, it was more about the humanity of the people around him and and the impact it had. But I gotta say, he's since since uh, the last couple of years, Superman's been a lot more three dimensional to me, anyways. He might have always been to other people, but to me, it's the writing's been consistently something that's shown me a different side of of, a, of somebody who who's been around a long time, and that and that takes a special talent. So for me, this year, favorite hero is Superman. I, I and I, I go ahead, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I mirror uh, Tim's vote uh, for Superman as well, and that's why I figured there would be a there would be a winner here because. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was a damn good year for Superman and seeing him as a father, seeing him as a husband, um, you know, it, it was uh, I, I agree with everything Tim said. And I've always found the human I've always enjoyed the human aspects of Superman, but we have never, in my opinion, seen them seen them as portrayed this year now as a father and as a husband. So I have truly enjoyed uh, the Superman books this year. So I give it to Superman. Superman is my choice as well. And I'll say, you know, we did one of our what if uh, episodes several years back. And, you know, one of the things that I had said is I would love to see a Superman and son comic. Right. And that was back before Convergence and all of that. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I had suggested is, you know, uh, it should be Superman and Son. Perhaps it's, you know, in the days after Lois Lane has passed away or something. Uh, but seeing this family unit is fantastic. And the, I, I truly, I feel like the only miss, and I think it's significant to say this, when you think that you're getting a Superman book four times a month, because uh, Action yeah. and Superman are bi-weekly. Not including Super Sons and some of those other books. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a ton of story that you're getting around this these characters. The only one that I, when I was looking back uh, across the, the, the books that came out in 2017, the only books that I was really unhappy with were the Independence Day stories. You know, where they where it was the the after school uh, special about American yes. history. That was just so terrible. Uh, and not propaganda. that I, yeah, and not that I object to, hey, let's talk about what makes America great. Uh, it, but it was the heavy handed propaganda uh, sort of feel to it. But everything else I loved about 20, about Superman in 2017. I think it's a terrific book. I think he's a terrific hero. And this is we so sorely missed this personification of Superman when we had the new 52 Superman. Um, it's really easy to just forget the, what, five years we spent with uh, new 52 Superman. So I didn't think this would happen, but we actually have a unanimous one here because Superman's who I went with as well for all of the reasons all of you have said. <laughs> so we have a clear winner, like a, like not even a majority. We have, you know, a wholeheartedly agree that Superman was our favorite hero for 2017. All right. That doesn't happen so, often. It does not. Uh, for our next category, 
we have favorite TV show based on a comic book. And I got to say, it is far and away a clear winner for me anyway. And it's Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics. I enjoyed every single episode uh, this season of uh, his documentary series uh, from his take on Milestone and Image, Stan and Jack. I just completely adored this series and uh, am eager and hopeful that we get a season two. Yeah, I had to start the conversation uh, about a week ago when we were preparing our topics to find out if that was going to be an option. Because how we usually do it, I think, is we focused on shows like Gotham and those that are, you know, storyline driven. But this year, the standout for me was Kirkman's Secret History of Comics because it was just so good. I learned things out of it. I saw, you know, for the most part, what I feel to be even-handed treatment of the topics. I think they did a very good job across almost every episode of being completely unbiased in their presentation. And that was impressive to me. No, absolutely. I, I just, I, I felt like not, not only was it interesting around comic books that, you know, I have experienced in my lifetime, but it they also functioned as, uh, quality documentarians and i just i i I loved it i'll own these on blu-ray because i'm hoping there's uh, a bunch of uh additional features all right so whoever had 20 minutes into the funnies tim being annoyed they they get the the prize i i'm not a documentary fan apparently there's some in the room for christ's sakes oh well i i really wanted to vote for riverdale in this category it was really close was really close but I'll, I'll tell you what there's nothing that fires me up on christmas like angst and and frank castle the punisher angst was totally on my tv and i loved every minute of it so that's my vote punisher john bernthal is the motherfucking punisher and it was glorious there was there had to be a moment in just every episode was like oh crap that was violent as hell and i love it so the voice of the people is gonna vote for the punisher <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I have not seen The Punisher. And we had, an, you know, a couple years back, we had to separate TV show and movie because there's that many TV shows and movies now um, that they are genuinely two separate categories. But we had, you know, amongst the TV shows this year, we had Defenders, we had Iron Fist, we had Punisher, we had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Riverdale, Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, um, Gotham. Le- Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> that thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't watch a lot of them because quite frankly, a lot of them are, are shit. Um, I, I had forgotten about Riverdale. Riverdale is a close second, but, and this is going to piss Tim off. How I, can it be a close second if you forgot about it, Paul? Well, because I forgot it was based on a comic book. You, like, it's one of those, like, <laughs> you just forget in the moment. Um, but I, I give it to uh, secret history of comics. I, I think no other, no other representation of our media, of our, our beloved media on television is as um, mature as as that is. Um, you know, for, for every reason that comic book men is a piece of shit, um, Secret History of Comics is a, is a wonderful show. I think it, you know, it, it is interesting. It is, uh, you know, it, it is new i don't want to say new reader friendly but it is you know it's something that anyone can watch whether you're into comics or not i find well, that there's I, a lot of human interest there as well 
I, I would absolutely agree. I think they do a marvelous job of just making it interesting beyond talking to a bunch of fanboys like us. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, the milestone episode I think was, was just so well put together. You don't have to be a comics fan to have enjoyed it. Yeah. And what I've consistently seen across multiple episodes are some of these people that have such big egos are actually admitting fault they had it during Milestone episode, and they had it during the Image one. Yeah. And these are things I have never heard these people admit before. That, to me, that they actually got them to admit fault for some of this stuff yeah. just Todd blows Mc my mind. Todd McFarlane on camera admitting, yeah, I probably screwed that up, <laughs> yeah. was yeah. was amazing to me because, yeah. I mean, you know, Todd and, admitting is not that, that they're. Guy. Yeah, admitting that their books were poorly written. Uh -huh. I never thought I would hear him say that. So yeah. we have a winner. Four winners in a row now. Secret Crazy. History of Comic Books is our winner. Uh, Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics is our winner for favorite TV show based on a comic book. Crazy Town. Lots of good stuff coming next year, too. You know, we've got uh, new seasons of Jessica Jones and I think Daredevil. I think. Yeah, Daredevil's coming. Daredevil um, yep. and Black Lightning starts this coming month. God, I can't wait for Black Lightning. So it should be a good year can't next wait. year. Yeah. Now this next category, I um, I was flush with options. Favorite movie based on a comic book. Uh, there, there was uh, there were so many movies this year. Obviously, there were was... you flushed with were you flushed with options because you had so many favorite movies or because there was just a lot of movies. Both, both, right? Uh, there, there were great movies, there were good movies, and there were some bad ones in there. But we had options, um, even Dark Horse options that I had forgotten were this year. Things like Lego Batman movie. Um, mm -hmm. But we also had Wonder Woman, Thor Ragnarok, Justice League, um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I feel like there's a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Volume 2. Um, but my winner for 2017... I swear to God, if somebody says Lego Batman, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> my winner for 2017, favorite comic book movie, and it was tight. I actually have three written down here, and I figured I'd make a game-time decision. Um, it, 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 one of them was Wonder Woman, one of them was Thor Ragnarok, but the one I went with was Logan. I give Logan, um, you know, the 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 my award, my vote for favorite movie based on a comic book in 2017, which, um, you know, I loved Wonder Woman. I loved Wonder Woman. And the fact that Justice League isn't on this list makes me sad, uh, but it just wasn't comparable to these other three. Um, and but Logan yeah. was, you know, for for all it, it took me. We, we talked about this on the show. It took me a couple minutes to get into it and get the fact that we were watching an R rated X-Men movie. Um, but I loved the way that story was handled, directed, acted. Um, Hugh Jackman, his best performance as Logan. So I gave it to Logan. So, Paul, for me, Wonder Woman wasn't even in the running. I enjoyed it, but it didn't stand up to any of the Marvel movies for me this year. Uh, when I kind of looked at my final three, a couple of them were the ones that you were mentioning. Logan was one of my runners up because I just didn't like the ending. I did not like how Logan dies. I thought that that really pulled away from the movie for me. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming had some drawbacks as well. Thor Ragnarok was my very close second because I loved it. And I, I honestly thought until I realized that my actual winner came out last year, I thought it was going to be Thor Ragnarok. 
but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was my winner once I realized it came out in 2017. I just rewatched it recently. It I loved it just as much when I rewatched it as I did originally. I didn't start picking things apart like I did with Wonder Woman when I rewatched it. And just the the feel of the movie. It's a fun movie that's it just gets me excited every time I watch it. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 for me. I just want to say that uh, Lego Batman would have been a, a, an admiral choice because if somebody had mentioned Thor Ragnarok in this fucking conversation, I'd unfriend people. <laughs> it, Tim, it was definitely my runner-up. Well, I was I, going to say it until I found out Guardians of the Galaxy came out that's, because that's I fucking love that movie. It was incredible. Guardians and, of the Galaxy was a good movie. I, I, I give it all the props. But uh, Paul is right on the money. Logan was was for me. It was it wasn't that hard this year. Logan, it it told us a superhero story we hadn't seen, which which was the 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 you know the the twilight the the sundowning of a superhero, and it was really good. The ending for me didn't didn't bother me all that much. It's it seemed fairly appropriate to me. Um, so for a lot of the, a lot of those reasons, um, I, and I also thought Patrick Stewart in that, in that, in the film was also good. I, I picked Logan. It really does pay me that you dislike Thor so much. Cause I really loved that movie. I thought it was incredible. I don't dislike Thor. I just like whatever that was. <laughs> I, I had, uh, four movies, uh, that I was, I, I was tossing around as to which one I felt like was my favorite of the year. Uh, and let me tell you that of those four Thor Ragnarok was not one of them because it is a terrible, terrible film, uh, despite being beautiful to look at. And I, I, I cannot say enough that I think it is a gorgeous film, but it is depleted of uh, character and heart. It has none of the wonderful things that I love so much about Guardians of the Galaxy. Why uh, do I think we're going to be arguing about this for years to come? We probably will, because as strongly as you feel about the, the quality of that film, I feel like it is a really bad movie. Um, <laughs> so Thor Ragnarok wasn't on my list. I will tell you that Guardians was, but was rather lower on my list. But I, I will say that I very much enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I just don't think that it was was uh, in, in my – at the top echelon of films this year. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming uh, was thoroughly enjoyed by me. Uh, I, I dug just about everything in that movie, and I think that it, that it demonstrates that Marvel should be handling Marvel characters. Uh, but it also was not my uh, primary choice of the year. Uh, the Lego Batman movie did make my list. Uh, strictly for the reason that it surprised the hell out of me as to how much I enjoyed it. Um, the Lego movies are incredible. I I, 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 it, it, I was stunned at how much I enjoyed that film. Uh, my runner-up to uh, my movie of the year was Wonder Woman. Uh, and if you ask me on another day, it would probably be my, my, uh, my primary choice. I think the Wonder Woman movie succeeded at doing something that no other film has done before. Um, I think that we've got to fully see that Gal Gadot can carry a film. You know, she saved Batman versus Superman, in my opinion, because hers were the only scenes that worked in that movie. Sorry, Paul. Uh, sure. And, you know, she, she continued to light up the screen in uh, Justice League. I think she is a superstar. Now, I don't know if that carries over into other roles for her, but Gal Gadot is one 
Wonder Woman is perfect casting, and they should make as many of those Wonder Woman movies as they can while she's willing to play the part because, holy crap, she is amazing on screen. But yeah, I will say Logan is my choice for favorite movie for all the reasons that you guys said. It it, it continues to build a, a bigger box that we can put our superhero movies in. It doesn't have to be fighting the big hole in the sky. They can be these human dramas. Um, and that, that's going to come back later in some of our other discussions about comics. But, you know, I, I think those movies that, that really, you know, expand our thinking about what superhero movies can be, like last year's Deadpool, um, are, are the are the films that that really command my attention, and so yeah, Logan for me, and for this podcast, is the favorite superhero movie of 2017. Wow! All right, good. I like it. Very, I like it. Very strong. Yeah, I, I've I've pretty much been on the the no no I lost on the favorite uh, villain one, but in general I've been <laughs> I've, I've been pretty good. So our next category is often. Um, uh, divided. Maligned. Maligned. I'm maligned. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult on Tim. It's a little easier on the rest of us because we could just scroll back through our comicsology purchases for the year. Uh, but Tim, I know you you know you 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 buy the the physical copies, and I know it's a little tricky. But so I'm going to go ahead and let you start us off with your favorite comic book cover of 2017. You know, and I. I... I'm not so, and I don't. I, th- I picked this. I picked this one not so much because of the. Well, I'll just say it. It's Batman Thirty Seven, and Batman Thirty Seven is the double date cover with Superman, uh, Lois Lane on one side, and Batman Selina Kyle on the other. It's not anything visually that, um, you know, you you wouldn't see a hundred times in a comic book store, but it. It, it it was a, a symbology of something that was important, which was the bonding of, of of all these characters together. So Batman thirty seven for that reason. All right, that's a good choice. Uh, mine is also Batman related. I went with Batman number twenty one, um, which was the Jason Fabok cover for the button the first part of the button now um there was a lenticular cover that like if you faced it one side it was batman holding the watchman button if you put it the other side it was flash holding the watchman button um but uh i went with the one that was kind of just a combination of the two split down the middle either way um i loved the simplicity of it um but also just what that cover meant um in in regards to the dc rebirth uh storyline um, and, and that storyline in general. Um, so I went with The Button, um, or Batman number 21, uh, by Jason Fabok. So when I go back through mine, I start looking for, were there any covers that I picked up this book strictly because of the cover? That I wasn't planning on buying it, but the cover was so good that it motivated me to actually pick up the book. And there weren't a lot of those this year. But the one that stood out for me was Mr. Miracle number one. The the cover with him in all of the like I don't know they're they're not chains, but all of the restraints calling back to like the escape artist aspect. Just a simple cover with the spotlight and all of that. It made me curious about the book. 
and I picked up the book strictly because I thought the cover looked really fascinating. So this is a question for Wayne and Paul, uh, since they are my fellow digital comic shoppers. Do you find that covers seem to matter less to you now that you're shopping digitally? Yes. That yeah, I mean, because I, I, I guess in the app, the the covers don't take up as much space in your you know in your view as they do when you're in the comic shop. Yeah, I and can so- tell you, Aaron. For me, when I'm looking at it on a computer. Mm-hmm. The covers are more likely to catch me than if I'm First, looking at it on, on my tablet. phone. Yeah. Gotcha. I would agree with I that. Sometimes, sometimes I buy them on the Comixology webpage from from a computer and then sync them to my device. But mm-hmm. And they, the covers are more likely to catch me that way because they're bigger. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I do find, while they're not important, I, I do find that I still will give a, a book that a different try based on the cover. Um but uh, titles are important, especially on Comixology. Yeah. The cover uh, will pull me in to hit the preview button to see the first couple pages. Exactly. But uh, that cover for Mr. Miracle number one is by Nick Darrington. Um, and yes, that is an awesome cover, Wayne. I didn't realize you were reading that book. Or maybe you read the first issue, hated it, and haven't picked up since. I, I read the first issue. I think I read the first couple issues, but I did stop after that. So my cover of the year is... Uh is Superman number 33 by Brian Sook. Um, It has the Superman family uh, on Apocalypse as well as Lex Luthor. Um, It really, there's just tons of energy on the cover. Um, I wouldn't say it it is as quite as iconic as say Paul's choice of the button, but uh, it looks like you know it, when it, it looks like a comic that if I was walking up to a spin rack, you know, uh, thirty years ago, I, I'd grab that thing up. Yeah, it's a you know, it's, I mean, I think it's a great cover. Yeah. It almost looks like, mo- like a movie poster. Um, right, yeah, it's a great cover. And if you want to see these covers, um, check out iomgeek.com. I'll, I will put them all in the show notes for this episode. So once again, no clear winner as to cover of the year. I don't know that we've ever had a clear winner for favorite cover. I don't. Of the th- year. I don't think we have either. <laughs> I mean, had we been doing this in 1987, I'm sure it would have been the Dark Knight Returns number one. Right but... now, let me say let, let me say one thing about the covers before we go. Mm-hmm. I internally, I don't think we've ever discussed this as a rule for covers, but I exclude variants uh, from my choice. Generally, uh, I do too. Yeah, simply for the fact that, you know, if it was if it was a, a good cover, you would have made it the cover. <laughs> right. But uh, if we were including variants, Olivier Copiel, oh, yeah. one of his Batman covers would have won for me this year oh, yeah. because I've been enjoying the hell out of the Olivier Copiel uh, Batman covers. But uh, no, I, uh, I I I just wanted to put that on record that uh, man. Olivia Copia. I don't know why they're not putting that on the regular covers, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have a variant cover artist of the year award, but if we uh, did, it would go to Olivia Copio. Absolutely. So, our next category, the holy shit moment of the year. The moment that made us cry out, holy shit. Um, you know, it, it's... I, I will say, I struggled this year, um, because there haven't been a ton of holy shit moments you know i thought well there were some surprising moments there were some great moments like tim mentioned the the batman number 37 double date which was one of my things but then i was like but that's not a holy shit moment um well and since i'm talking i guess i'll go ahead and ghost first 
<laughs> I went with Detective Comics number 955 featuring Cassandra Kane versus the League of Shadows or the League of Asa- no, League of Shadows. Um, you know, where where Cassandra Kane, you know, the 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 I don't remember the name of the bat team. Oh, the Gotham Knights. Um, where the Gotham Knights are, are being held captive by uh, Talia and the League of Shadows and Cassandra Kane. Now, is it Talia or was it Lady Shiva? I don't know. Regardless, it was Lady Shiva. Yeah, Lady Shiva. Lady Shiva. Um, but Cassandra Kane confronts the League of Shadows on her own and kicks some ass. Um, Not some, all of the ass. All of the ass. All of the ass present was kicked. Was kicked. So that was my holy shit moment for 2017. That's a good moment, Paul, but it's not the one that got me. It's not the one that made me question and feel like I was getting screwed around. (laughs) It's not the one that uh, I got some payoff for already. Uh, But it was future Tim Drake's comment to uh, uh, present Tim Drake and said, hey, you need to make up with Connor. You know how important he is to you. And it was the first mention of Connor post New 52. And, you know, one of one of the things that pisses me off is it was spoiled for us. Right. You know, it it was it was in the in the news before I had an opportunity to read the comic. Um, And then the fact that they paid it off relatively soon after that, it wasn't just a, hey, we're going to dick with you a little bit. Um, I I, got to tell you, I I didn't believe that we would get to see Connor and we've not got not yet gotten to see him um, in his full Connorness. But we you know, we've had glimpses of him and he he was on a couple of pages of uh, of the um, uh, current I, I forget the name of the uh, story arc, but the, uh, the current Super story Sons of about, tomorrow. Yeah, Super Sons of Tomorrow. So uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. And I, I, that was my holy shit moment of the year. All right. All right. That that was a good one. That's a very good one. Wayne? So I want to give an honorable mention to my runner-up because it's not a comic book story, but uh, Disney buying Fox Films. Ah, good mm. one. That's yeah. a good one. That's a, That is a good one. That almost got it for me just strictly because of how big it was. But I wanted to stick with a comic book, actually something that happened on the pages. And I will say I didn't actually say holy shit because it was spoiled. But it's the same as Aaron's. The after all this time with no mention of him and no indication that he they were ever going to acknowledge him, suddenly Connor Kent. And that that was thrown out there that – that changed the end of that whole storyline. Yeah. As like I thought that story was over. And then that comment is made and suddenly we go into a completely new storyline of you know them having to stop Tim Drake. That that really would have been a I would have said holy shit if it hadn't been spoiled. So that was my <laughs> moment. Yeah. I'm 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 amending this category. Oh dear. Because what I said was not holy shit. I said, oh shit. There was one moment this year where I threw my comic book across the room. Um, and uh, we'll take you a little journey back uh, in Action Comics where uh, we started talking about this Clark Kent. Who was he? Who could he be that has all this information? And we were very, very excited to find out who he was. And I and and uh, I, I I was on that journey. I was hooked along in. I'm like, I'm in. I want to know. It's important. They've been dragging it out. It must be really big. 
and it was Mr. Mixelplex. And when I, got I was to that so reveal, excited by that. When I got to that reveal, I went, oh, shit. And I threw that comic book as far as I could. God, I hated that book. That was my oh, shit moment this year. I love that some of the things that Tim hated were the things that I loved the most out of the course of the year, like the Thor Ragnarok and Mr. Mixix Pitalik being the Clark Kent. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, yeah. So we actually have we have a winner for holy shit moment of the year, which is uh, future Tim Drake referencing Connor Kent in the pages of Detective Comics. So uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So now we're starting to get into some of our bigger categories. Well, yeah, yeah. Some of our our bigger categories, starting with our favorite limited series or original graphic novel. Now, I think it's fair to say. I don't think I read a single freaking graphic novel this year. Um, uh, you know, we didn't, to my reference, or to my recollection, I should say, I don't recall there being uh, an Earth One release. Uh, for a while, Marvel was putting out these original graphic novels. Um, I think the original graphic novel stuff, at least for 2017, was primarily for the independent publishers like Image and some of those other ones. Uh-huh. Did you see that Gary Frank and uh, Jeff Johns are working on another Earth One Batman book? I did not see that. And it's going to mm-hmm. come out after the conclusion of Doomsday. So probably not 2018, probably more like 2019. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know that I'll care. But uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's like three years after the last one. You got you got to uh, keep right. some momentum if you want to have an ongoing story. Agreed. Uh, so, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and start us off with your favorite limited series or original graphic novel? I will tell you that my favorite limited series for 2018, hands down, is Tom King's Mr. Miracle. I, I deeply love this book. Uh, it, it is, it is raw, so emotionally raw, and the story is so beautifully told. Uh, I, I, the artwork is so pitch perfect on this book. I, I I have no negative comment at all to say about Mr. Miracle. It is ch- it is a challenging book to read. It is an emotional book to read. I will tell you that it is not the book that I go running to when I buy it. You know, it's not like, oh, it's the first one on my read pile. In fact, it's always the last one on my read pile simply for the fact that it requires more space. You know, it's not, you know, you read it and 15 minutes later, you're on to the next book. It's you read it and you got to live with it for a little bit. Uh, it, it the, the the book has challenged me. It has challenged me visually. It's like, I you know, I know they're telling me something here. What are they telling me? You know, there's a lot of layering in in the, the, the uh, artwork in that book, um, as well as the story challenges you. Um, and it is not – this is a story that's not for everyone. And again, it's a superhero story that's expanding the box. You know, It's telling a different kind of superhero story uh, with these uh, New Gods characters. I, I, the last panel of the last page of the most recent book where Barda has murdered everybody in the room other than Mr. Miracle is heartbreaking – and energizing and exciting all at the same time. I, I this this book makes me feel, and I love this book. Well, I'm going to go in and second your vote, Aaron, um, <laughs> because mine I had I it was somewhere between Batman White Knight and Mister Miracle. But I will say, as much as I've enjoyed White Knight and and the story that 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 is portrayed there, uh, no book challenges me 
like Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle is a book that challenges me without offending me, um, which, you know, like like Alan, you know, like an Alan Moore story. Alan, I find Alan Moore stories challenging, but also offensive and hard to get through. Mr. Miracle is emotionally challenging and thought-provoking and beautiful art. Um, I, I love everything about that book. So Mr. Miracle gets it for me as well. So there were a couple books I thought about for this one, and I have a rule after some of the pre previous years of I won't pick a book that is a limited series that isn't done yet. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't remember what year it was, but one year I picked something and then the ending was so horrible I ended up hating the whole series afterwards. So some of the things that I was looking at, like the uh, Nightwing New World Order, you know, I and uh, I think... Is uh, Batman White Knight that's still going, right? It is. Yes. Okay. I knew I hadn't read the last issue of it, but you know, for me, I hadn't seen the ending, so it was the same thing. I thought about those, but they didn't end yet, and so I didn't didn't give them uh, really in the running. So mine was Star Trek Mirror Broken. Mm. I've always loved the alternate reality, you know, Mirror Mirror universe in Star Trek. And seeing that with the next-gen characters, seeing how they were different, the art was very... It's not the usual art that I like. It's yeah. much more stylized, but I thought the style worked for that story very well. And it just all came together for me. So, so that was my vote. Can I argue with you a little bit about that? Sure. I love that. I love that series all the way up until the end. Um I the the thing that bugged the hell out of me about that that series, and I, I I think they did a beautiful job with the Barkley character and with the Data character. Where yeah. it falls down is with Riker and Picard. Uh, and keep in mind these are these are mirror universe characters that we're talking about. Um, where it fell down is is the absence of competency, and that's the heart and soul of Star Trek. Is that uh, it's the the characters are wildly competent and these characters were not uh, you know yeah Riker's a good pilot but you know both Riker and Picard both seem to just sort of bumble their way through the big heist to get the to capture the the enterprise um I, that bugged me and then it really bugged me as it felt like we were on a journey to tell a bigger story and, and then, then the series ended. just ended yeah and I was like are you kidding me and, you know, it ends with maybe there'll be more. <laughs> so I did before I, when it ended, but I thought I found like at the end, Picard was very competent, you know, as he's calling the move, doing the Picard maneuver and all of that. I thought that was it kind of redeemed the character of he was a little bumbling in the beginning, but he did pull off a major heist. And then once he had the ship, his I found him to be very competent. I'll give you Riker was never felt confident, competent to me, but yeah. That that was the reason why it didn't make my because I, I considered it because you know it was a a limited uh, uh, series but that's why it didn't factor into mine is is I didn't feel like it nailed all of the characters and I felt like it didn't stick the landing. Yeah, I I, even, I enjoyed it a lot. If I think either the Nightwing New World Order or New Order whatever it was called or the Batman White Knight would have finished, mm -hmm. I probably would have gone with either of them over it. Sure, but. With neither of those being finished, that's the that was mine. Very good, Tim. Well, this is the point in the program where I, I uh, just throw out my vote to somebody else because I didn't read any of these that uh, anybody else is talking about. 
And since Paul backed me up with Logan, I'm backing up Paul with Mr. Miracle. Woohoo! There you go. All right. Mr. Miracle, favorite limited series of 2017, which leads me into a favorite writer, um, a favorite comic writer for 2017, because uh, it should come as no surprise uh, based on our conversations on the podcast um, that it was either going to be James Tinian IV or Tom King. And for me, Tom King took 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 the prize um, for Mr. Miracle, for his work on Batman, for for being a writer that even though I didn't necessarily care for his start on the Batman book, um, has turned it around wonderfully. I haven't read The Vision, but I know he also wrote Vision uh, for Marvel Comics, and I know you guys love that. So Tom King is my favorite comic writer for 2017. And I will tell you, tell you, Paul, that uh, he is my selection as well. I recently finished the vision. I picked up the uh, the last. There's two trades in that series at Marvel, and I picked up the second trade during the big end of year sale and read it. And it's a beautiful story. Not eligible for this year because it was a 2016 book, but it's a beautiful story and a gut wrenching, heartbreaking story, much as Mr. Miracle is. I have Absolutely love Tom King's work on Mr. Miracle. I have absolutely loved his work on uh, Batman. I love what he's doing with Catwoman and Batman and expanding that family uh, that we're seeing, you know, Batman from a different angle than we've seen before. And I will say that I think that's what Tom King excels at. He excels at finding the space that we haven't examined in these characters' lives. I think that's the mark of a great writer. He surprises me, Paul, and he challenges me. Tom King is my selection. That is exactly why I picked him as well, which might be surprising because I haven't been reading all of the Batmans. Mm-hmm. But those last few issues really showed me what I've seen in him in other books. Yeah. You know, because Vision was I loved Vision. Vision was such a different type of book. And when I read those last couple issues of Batman, I get the same thing. Not the same feel or story, but it's a different kind of story. And even back to that Mr. Miracle number one, very different type of story. He just kind of elevates your reading. So surprisingly, considering I'm not reading his main titles, I went with Tom King as well. Timmy? Well, you know, it might have been the first funny books I was on when I did something very similar to this. And everybody looked at me like my head was sewn on the carpet. But uh, I I, I voted for Jolly Blackburn and Knights of the Dinner Table this year. Um, for those that don't know, we don't talk about this book because it's not the kind of comic book that you would normally talk about. But this this is this little <laughs> this little book started off as a little three panel uh, issue in Shadis and Dragon Magazine of people sitting around gaming, and uh, this year they celebrated their two hundred fiftieth uh, issue, and um, the writing that he's he's done on this latest arc, which just to let everybody in on it's it's basically a Willy Wonka trip through the uh, the hard eight factory, which is basically like going to Watsy uh, in the real world. It's been incredible fun, and his writing on this latest arc has been some of his best work. And Tom King was my runner up, but I had a feeling uh, I had I had a feeling I needed to pay homage to somebody who'd gotten to 250 issues. And honestly, it's my island book. If it's the if I only could get one comic book, that's the one I'm getting. So, Jolly Blackburn, Knights of the Dinner Table. All right. 
Well, uh, you know, like you said, dark horse there. But Tom King is our winner for favorite writer for 2017. And that brings us to our favorite artist for 2017. Uh, That's a hard category. It is. This this year was very tough for me. Yeah, it's a hard category. There was a ton of great art this year. Yep. Um, you know, and some of it was on the covers, like Olivier Copiel and all the the the, the covers we just mentioned. A ton of great stuff interior wise. Um, but why doesn't Wayne start us off in this category? All right. So the person I went with had both covers and interiors. Uh, not not nearly as many covers as he did interiors, but uh, I really enjoy the style of Clay Man. The uh, the current artist for Batman. Oh, you mean Clayface? <laughs> no. Clayman. Clayman. His last name is Man. M A N N. His first oh. name is Clay. Thank you. <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> wow. No, that was yeah, genuine really... confusion, Wayne. I could tell he wasn't just fucking with you. <laughs> uh, I thought he was just fucking with me. No, no, <laughs> no. I really like his art style. He's he's you know been around a couple books he's uh, done some covers done some interiors i know he's not a household name but it just resonates tim um you know this year i I, like i said i had a tough time uh ultimately came down to uh the person i chose was jorge jimenez for super his work on super sons Good choice. Um, his his work had an energy to it that matched the the story that that they were trying to portray. Uh, I agree, there was a lot of good artwork in in the books that I read, but the one that that struck that stuck out to me was the one that matched the the tone almost exactly, and that was Mr. Jimenez and his work on Super Sons. I gotta say, for for me, you know, I was looking through my my selections through the year and and the, and the books that I've enjoyed, but I but I come back to what I've said before about you know Tom King on writing is that uh, the the artwork that I feel moved me the most this year was artwork that challenged me, and that was uh, the artwork by uh, Mitch Gerard on or Mitch Jared, I'm sorry, on Mister Miracle. Uh, I, I I find Number one, there's so much of it, you know, because he does these uh, nine nine panel pages, uh, a la uh, Alan Moore's uh, Watchmen and Dave Gibson's Dave Gibbons' uh, Watchmen. Um, I find that I'm I'm unpacking those panels one by one by one because there's so much going on. There's so much going on in the face of the character. There's so much going on in the background, uh, you know, and and they're telling the story visually, truly. Uh, you know that there is this partnership between the writer and the artist, where I think the writer, where the artist is ever bit as much of a writer in these circumstances as the writer himself. So, uh, Mitch Jared from uh, Mister Miracle, right. Paul. You know, I almost chose him, but there was one artist that I talked about multiple times this year, um, and just how truly fantastic I thought his art was, and you know. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by talking about James Tynion the Fourth and Detective Comics because I think Detective Comics is a book that could very easily be uh, hard to read digitally. Um, James Tynion the Fourth loves him some two page spreads, um, <laughs> and I mean like legit 
almost every page is a two-page spread, and he just loves that storytelling style, and you know, which is great if you're reading your comics, you know, physically, but on digitally, and if I don't do the guided view necessarily, you tend to lose a lot. Um, or, you know, you, the, things are just small. However, um, there was a art, an artist that he has been paired with on Detective Comics, one of the, the rotating crew of artists, um, that just did some of the most breathtaking work this year for me, especially in the storyline involving Zaytana. Um, and that artist was Alvaro Martinez. Um, that guy, uh, he, he is like DC's answer to Stuart Amonin, um for me. I, I think every page that he did... Um, the characters, the emotion, uh, the the he he did tech great. He did people great. He did fight sequences. He did quiet sequences. Um, he he is perfectly paired with James Tynion the Fourth. His two page spreads are fantastic. Um, I, I am looking forward to seeing uh, the future of that artist, uh, one that I was not familiar with before this year. Uh, but hopefully DC puts him. He's already on a Batman book, uh, but you know maybe one day we'll get him on a big crossover event book. So Alvaro Martinez was was my vote. So no clear winner in this category. No clear winner on favorite artist. Um, but we, we've got some great art, which is good, right? We, that right. means we had so yeah. much great art this year, we couldn't single it down to to one artist. And I would I, I would absolutely second that. that there's just a, you know, a tremendous amount of terrific artwork out there. Well, let's go to the category that I struggled with the most. I had is... no struggle with this at all. Really? I struggled? It was here. It was it was clear to me in my experience. I don't think uh, I certainly don't think Paul will agree with me on this. But in my experience, the uh, my favorite event or crossover uh, is a true crossover and a true event. And it started and ended in 2017. And it is Crisis on Earth X from the CW. Uh, I, I thought they did a marvelous job. Uh, running that event. I loved, I, I can't get over the fact that I enjoyed an episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, it did something that I didn't think that they would be able to do. It got me back into the Flash. Um, I, uh, and a little bit into Arrow. I mean, I just, I, I, it, I have been away from the CW shows for more than a year and uh, it got me back in. I thought this crossover was fantastic. One thing I thought it did really well is Unlike the previous crossovers, the previous crossovers, it seemed like you were watching an episode of the regular show that right. was taking part during the crossover. This didn't feel like that. It blurred the lines. It yeah, blurred absolutely. the lines so much that it was more consistent, more. It was you, you were watching a four hour movie. Yeah, you know, it was it was not, you know, where you're going to get an, an, an hour of this episode and an hour of that episode. It was a four hour movie because you're right. Uh, in fact, I would say that that the characters, you know, you're, you're watching an episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Those characters didn't weren't primary in that episode necessarily. Same thing with Flash and Arrow. It was it was truly an ensemble production, and the story went where the story went, regardless of which show they were on. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I, I I'm a big. I, I was a huge fan. I I I I binged all four hours of that thing. So Wayne, so I binged all four hours too, and I really thought about picking that because it uh -huh. it definitely met the crossover aspect uh -huh. and it was an event but i went with something that is both an event but it also kind of became an imprint and that was dc's rebirth that so much of what they've done this year with dc has brought it back to what i loved mm -hmm. 
And even though it's not a consistent, solid story like we were just talking about with uh, the crossover, it just is a whole feel to the universe. The the event is bringing back the good stuff. And I really appreciated that in this year. DC rebuilt itself to me. All right. Tim, how about you? Oh, man. Um... <laughs> You know, I I think I'm going to go off the, off the rails a little bit on this one. Um, mostly inspired by Aaron's choice, because I thought we were talking about actual comic books. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, you know, the, the crossover didn't uh, didn't uh, start this year, but it did end this year, so I'll, I'll give it that. But uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and uh, Tony Stark in, in the uh, Spider-Man universe was... Uh, was thoroughly enjoyable. It um, it was just enough to make it uh, better without being, to, to me, being too much to overpower the fact that it was a Spider-Man story. I think it's actually Spider-Man in the Iron Man universe, but I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 my vote was uh, Civil War slash Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, and so here's why I struggled with this category, and it's because, quite frankly, the events this year sucked in comics, like in, in like comics wise, I should say. Anything that I considered an event, like DC Metal, started strong but has really waned for me. Um, Secret Empire for me just never really took off. Um, I tried because it was crap. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know things like that. I, I enjoyed Marvel Legacy, but that's not that's more of a. A direction. It's more of an imprint. Yeah, it's an imprint. Yeah. yeah, than it than it is like an event. You know, there was a there was a, a Marvel Legacy number one, which was a great comic, but even then, like, it wasn't like DC Rebirth. Um, and DC, you know, I thought about DC Rebirth because that is truly something that affects all the DC titles. All of them have, most of them have some type of reference or inference. But then, I, you know, thinking about it, that that's what a comic book universe is, right? A Doomsday Clock is the event for me. And I mean, in my thinking, Doomsday Clock is the event, but DC Rebirth is just kind of like, it started out as an event, but now it's just a shared universe, which is what comics mm -hmm. should be. Um, so, but hearing this conversation, I hadn't considered venturing outside of the the, the the immediate medium, um, so I will actually give it to Crisis on Earth X as well. Um, did I, you watch all of it? Yes, I did. Wow. Okay. I, I did eventually watch had. all of it, yeah. and I and I will say that that one is probably the best that any of those shows have been in years. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and, and two, you know, despite the fact that not all of it was you know new viewer friendly, there were still some aspects that I didn't necessarily get or characters I didn't necessarily know. There was so much there to enjoy. Um, that I didn't care, which is how a good crossover should be. So I yeah. get to Crisis on Earth X. I will also say, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler for people on it, I really liked seeing Ray's character added in. Like yeah, the absolutely. Ray, not yeah. not, uh, not Ray Palmer, but the Ray. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the character. It's one of those things I read in the miniseries when it originally came out, and I got I've just always loved the character. So anytime I see him show up, it's kind of a geek moment for me. Completely agree. Completely agree. Paul, I am stunned that you agreed with me on uh, Crisis on Earth X. 
stunned. I I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And and it is everything a crossover should be. And which is mm-hmm. you know which I, I I liked it. I loved it for the things that I loved about metal at the beginning before it lost its way. Um, yeah. It, it is a foe too great for one hero to handle or one team to handle. So you have to bring in other heroes and that is how a crossover should be. And it felt good and it felt fun. It wasn't dire. Yes, there was a character who died, but still it was just a great and, crossover. And still nobody cares about the priest who is murdered there at Irison and uh, Barry's uh, wedding. Nobody cares. No, nobody no cares. Way. That was a awesome <laughs> moment. that never got referenced again. <laughs> So Crisis on Earth X. All right. I dig it. I dig it. Um, So our final two categories of the year are favorite new series and favorite ongoing series. Um, So we're going to go ahead and start with favorite new series, a series that had its number one in 2017. Uh, Ooh, 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 ooh. Actually, Tim sounds excited. Let's let him go. Super Sons. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good book. That's my choice. All right. I went a little bit, you know, off the wall, a book that I haven't talked about on the podcast at all. Uh, I thought about Super Sons, but it had some story arcs I really disliked. You know, there's some great moments, but there's some, there were a couple storylines I just could not stand in Super Sons. So I went with The Runaways because the new series of that I have absolutely loved. And I know no one else on here has read it, and I've never even talked about it on the podcast, but that's my vote for new ongoing. You know, I forgot there was a Runaways TV show, too. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it because I don't have uh, I don't have Hulu. So um, I typically will exclude from my choice something that, that has very recently started, something that started at the end of the year. But I was so excited about this book, and they stuck the landing so hard in the first issue that I, I am tossing my own internal rules aside. Marvel 2-in-1 is uh, my new favorite uh, series for uh, 2017. I, I have missed these characters. Uh, you know, true, it's only half of the Fantastic Four, but we're, we're seeing – um, you know, we're catching up with Ben Grimm. We're catching up with Johnny Storm. I thought that the book was beautifully drawn. I thought it was wonderfully written. Uh, it was true of an F ton of nostalgia, but uh, I, I, I dug the I dug the heck out of this book. And so it is it is the the series that I am the most excited about launching in 2017. You know, I I almost went with that, mm-hmm. and the reason I didn't was because it's only been one issue. I know. I, 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 and it, it's, it's, I mean, cause Doomsday Clock didn't make any of my list cause we've only had two issues and I thought the second issue, uh, fell short of the mark. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, and, and it's the same reason why Gary Franks and Jeff Johns didn't win any other awards for me, as well as the fact that I just think Tom King is, is, has really done amazing work. Uh, with his writing this year and has a, 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 a large body of work to demonstrate, whereas we only have uh, a few examples from Jeff Johns this year. But uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm just so excited about Marvel 2 and 1. Marvel 2 and 1 is, is a series that I have always enjoyed. I enjoyed it, you know, back in the day. I'm excited that it's back. It's, it's one of those kind of series. I feel like Marvel team up as well. These should be perennial 
series offered by Marvel. And it's one of those things I don't understand why we don't see more of. Anyway, but Paul, what is your choice? So my choice for favorite new series was Darth Vader. The the Charles Sewell and Giuseppe Kimunkili, uh Darth Vader series um, is just fantastic. I love every issue. Uh, I have enjoyed how it has in, incorporated... So this Darth Vader series takes place um, before episode four. Uh, so what we are seeing here, whereas the previous one took place ap- after episode four, um, but, you know, in the same storyline, same time frame as the other uh, Star Wars book. Uh, but this Darth Vader book takes place before episode four. So they are incorporating elements from Star Wars Rebels into the book. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really enjoying seeing the Inquisitors um, and and uh, and that aspect in that book i i love the art i love the 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 way that darth vader is portrayed in that book so i went with star wars darth vader so we actually is, don't have a runaway winner on this one but what we do have are three books we're recommending from marvel in a year where we've read very little marvel very true yeah um you know and and, and don't get me wrong i thought about captain america i love that i love the current arc on captain america but it's not a new series it feels like right. it but it's not it's, they didn't start with the number one, or else it might have gotten it. So. Very good. So, favorite ongoing series is we're, 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 as we're wrapping up this year's funnies. Um, I got to say, this isn't going to win any awards, but it is my favorite ongoing series. Um, and I, I would be lying if I said that it wasn't. It is, again, like Mr. Miracle, it is not a book that I read immediately when I get it. In fact, I frequently will save several issues because it there is a certain space that you occupy when you read this book. It is a very dark book, and I, I, I would rather be in that space a little longer and continue that mood. Um, it is a book where the writer provides usually anywhere from two to three pages of essay at the back of the book to talk about what's in his head. Um, and I love that kind of conversation with the creator. Um, I love this book and, uh, it's been back, uh, hard in 2017 and I'm talking about Uber invasion, the story of what if, uh, the Nazi Germany developed uh, super powered technology that it could give to its soldiers and fight World War II. And so uh, Uber Invasion is the second half of the story from uh, the first half of the story being Uber. Uber Invasion picks up the story of an invasion of America by the Nazis. And it is so good. It is not uh, a wild action adventure book like you like you might think. It is a very deep, dark examination of uh, what would have happened, what could happen, that kind of thing. And it, it, I just it's it's a dark it's a dark dark alternative history that uh, is so well thought out and so well plotted. And one of the beautiful things about this book is that Karen Gillan has this whole thing plotted out through the end. This will not be an, an, a, a regular uh, series, you know, running off into perpetuity. It has a beginning, middle, and an end. And uh, we are coming up on the end of this series uh, within the next year or two. And uh, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't express enough how much I enjoy this series. You know, I cannot overstate at all how much I love when the writer of a book does an essay at the back of the book. I know it's yeah. more time. Um, I know a lot of folks feel that that's back matter that they don't read. Um, I feel like well-written essays, things like Kieran Gillen and uh-huh. um, is it Rucka? Who, who does the books with Sean yeah. Phillips, the crime books? Rucka? 
Um, I think you might be talking about Brubaker. Brubaker. I'm sorry. Yeah, Brubaker. Yeah. Um, like Ed Brubaker does, you know, with his history of pulp stuff. And I haven't read a Brubaker book in a while, but um, I don't know if he still does it. But I love that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, especially when it's included in the digital copy, because I know the Brubaker stuff used to not be. Um, right. But just I, I, I really... I, that insight into the creator's mind, even if it's not even written by the creator, it could be an essay about, you know, the same topic. Um, but as long as it's well-written and interesting, it, it, it is a great companion piece to a good story. Let me add one one more thing about Uber Invasion before you uh, tell me your, your, your thoughts on ongoing series, Paul. But uh, Uber Invasion is a very challenging book to buy. Um, in that, frequently, I have observed, it does not – on the week that it comes out in comic shops, Comixology doesn't get it scanned until the week following. And instead of adding it as a new release on the following Wednesday, they just release it whenever the hell they get it scanned. And so if you're only looking for new comics on new comic book day, you will miss out on Uber Invasion. And I, I – I, One of the things I love about Kieran Gillen is he has an email list that I subscribe to, and he'll send you a note and say every week telling you which which of his books are out. Um, And so that always prompts me like, God damn it, (laughs) they didn't scan it this week, and so I'll have to look you know to see when it's scanned. Um, It's frustrating, but it's it is worth the hunt. It is worth your time to read Uber Invasion. All right. So, Paulie, tell me what you think. You know, we've obviously been very DC heavy, and if you listen to the podcast, you know it's been a very DC heavy year. Um, we've re- we've read some Marvel books after Legacy, after Secret Empire that have intrigued us. Um, we I think we all read some indie books. You know, Tim mentioned uh, Knights of the Dinner Table. Um, Wayne and I read Invincible. I think a couple of you guys read Walking Dead. I mean, we do read other books. We just don't don't always talk about them on the podcast unless they really float our boat. Um, then that's a long way of going into that. I'm just going to, that I am picking like literally the most generic book possible. Um, because for me, it was one of the best written, um, one of the, the best drawn and, and truly, uh, grabbed me in a way this year that it has not grabbed me in years. And that's Batman, um, Tom King and the rotating team of artists. Uh, you would think that in books like Batman and Detective Comics and Superman and Action Comics that you, it's hard to maintain quality um, on a bi-weekly book. Uh, but Batman, uh, more so than, than the others even, maintains that level of quality um, while, and while also having great moments in every book. Um, you know, we mentioned the double date. We didn't mention Batman actually proposing to Catwoman, um, yeah. and the war of jokes and riddles and, um, you know, the, the, the confrontation between Selena Kyle and Talia al Ghul and, and the, the, the moments between Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne and all of these great character moments, the fricking Bruce Wayne at the fast food restaurant that has the, the Joker burger. Um, you know, there are so many great things in that book. Um, and, uh, so I, I give it to Batman. I can't argue with you. Batman's a great book. And yeah. nor could I argue because that's what I picked. Oh, look <laughs> I, at you guys. I, uh, yeah. I picked Tom King's Batman for all of the reasons mentioned his, his writing, um, you know, it touched on old storylines with uh, Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson. It it tapped into a portion of, of Batman we haven't seen, which is a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit softer. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, the the, the Super Friends 
two-part series was probably the thing that I enjoyed most in, in, in the DC Comics this year. So, Tom King, Batman. So, I might have picked that if I'd have read more of it. I've only read the two issues of, you know, of that run this year. So, I couldn't give it to that, but I easily see why you guys did. Uh, also, going the, as Paul called it, more generic route, uh, I went with Action Comics. Because consistently as I look through the Superman stories, action has been the one that has told the most interesting stories to me with Superman. Uh, You get a little more of the family stuff over in Superman than you do in action, but you still get a good chunk of it. Action gives you more of the, well, the actual action. The Apocalypse storyline was over there. The, you know, Oz Effect storyline was over there. And it's just consistently been for me, one of the books that I go to and read first. And that's one of the telling things to me about what my favorite series is, are what do I jump to as the first book I read? There it is. Our uh, favorite ongoing series this year is Batman with two strong honorable mentions. Yes. So 2017 was just a fantastic year for comics. But I got to say a couple things that I'm looking forward to in 2018 Obviously, Infinity War. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, conclusions of Doomsday Clock and Mr. Miracle. Uh, uh, But for me, I think one of the... And and Black Panther. But I think one of the things I'm I'm genuinely looking forward to the most is Jeff Lemire uh, and Ivan Reese and uh, Doc Shaner on that new book from DC, The Terrifics. Um, yeah. DC's answer to Fantastic Four. I think I am looking forward to that comic more so than any other comic in 2018. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. But Paul, I know that you got you got a late Christmas gift this week because Adam Warlock returned in the pages of Guardians of the Galaxy. He so did. I, I know that you must have been pretty excited about that. You know, it actually wasn't a bad book either. Um, you know, I, I, for a five dollar book, it wasn't actually that bad. I would agree that the Adam Warlock pages were good. I felt like the uh, Nova Core Guardians pages kind of sucked. Oh, you read it. Just yeah, I would agree. I would agree. The Nova Core stuff was, but the Adam Warlock stuff was rather interesting. Yeah. But, you know, if you enjoyed that kind of comic book uh, conversation, join us back here next week for an all new episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and Tim and Wayne, because we'll have all kinds of new books to talk about. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, make sure that you leave a comment on iomgeek.com, on our Twitter feed at Ideology Madness, on Instagram at iomgeek, on Facebook iomgeek, or give us a call at our Ideology of Madness hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Well, guys, very good. Yeah. Make sure that you when you do that, leave us uh, a voicemail that says what your favorite choices were this year. We'd love to feature your voice on a future podcast. Another year down. So another 364 days before Tim needs to think about his favorite cover of the year. Let's get on it, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. 
Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.